Good morning, everybody. Uh, we would like to welcome you back. We've got another Stacks of Cash podcast with a special guest, a repeat special guest, actually our first repeat special guest, Devin Phillips of Wiener, Nathan and Phillips, who's going to spend some time with us today, really digging a little bit deeper into a topic that we touched on in our, in our previous uh, podcast that we did on estates and wills. And that topic is trusts, yet yeah, deserves a little bit more time. And so, Devin, welcome back today. We want to kind of hit upon a few things. So, um, thank you guys for having go. me back. Appreciate it. You bet. Good to see you. You too. So, last time we talked about the probate process, which is the court process that happens after you pass, we talked about the importance of getting a will documented, and we talked about the benefits of working with your financial advisors and your other professionals uh, about naming your beneficiaries on assets that pass outside of your will. So another reason that clients will come to me are to draft what are called trust agreements. So the first thing, question we have to answer is what is a trust? That's a great question. So a trust is an agreement between a grantor and a trustee. Now those are legal terms, but the grantor is the individual that is creating the trust and is transferring assets into the trust. The trustee is a third party, oftentimes, that will serve uh, in a role of fiduciary capacity to manage those assets in the trust that are transferred in the trust per the specific terms of your trust agreement. Now, what that looks like practically is you got to think about the trust as a separate entity, a separate mm -hmm. person. That's sort of the way I think of it. It's almost like you're creating a new person, but it's an entity. That's right. It's a separate entity that will own the assets transferred to it. So if I transferred to you, David, uh, mm -hmm. my house, it would be like that, except I'd be transferring it to a trust. The trust would own the home. The trust would be on the title of the home. And the trustee would manage the income of the home if it was a rental property or uh, and per the terms of the trust. So I, I recently sold uh, a condo earlier this year, and uh, the buyer uh, put the condo in a trust. So why would somebody do that? What are the benefits of putting an asset like a home in a trust? So there's a couple benefits to moving assets into a trust. The first is for predator protection or asset protection. Now, I don't want to get into too much complexity around the different kinds of trusts. But mm -hmm. basically, there are two important trusts to think about, a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust. So a revocable trust, it's, it's in the name. It means at any time you can revoke what you've done. If you transfer assets into the trust and it's a revocable trust by its terms, I can pull those assets back out anytime. Um, I can instruct my trustee. I can even serve as the trustee mm -hmm. of, in, a, in a revocable trust. Uh, and I can move the assets back into my name or to wherever else, to one of my beneficiaries, one of my kids. Um, 
but moving the assets into the trust takes it out of your estate, out of your out of uh, out of your name. Would that be included in your will, or is that separate from the will? It would be so. What a lot of people do is they'll name the trust in their will as the pour over of where the assets go when uh, they pass away. Because at the end of the day, you this is a <clears throat> mistake that a lot of people make. They'll create the trust and then they won't transfer any assets into it. <laughs> so they'll create the instrument and then say, I'll do it later, but they won't deed the house into it. It's like uh, going to getting a gym membership and not even using it. That's right. The gym. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that, <clears throat> that's an excellent point. We, we have a, a client who not long ago, he and his wife, they came in and did some really, I would call it, you know, at least intermediate level estate planning, and they created some living trusts, and we managed their assets. So once those trusts were in place, we had to get everything retitled, which required new account applications. And, and I guess if it's real estate, you'd have to get it deeded over to the trust, so on and so forth. That's right. Okay, yeah, so a lot of... There, there are lots of people who don't, they don't do that part. Are you, are you serious? Tons of people that don't do it, and that's why it's important. You know, I, I have clients come to me where they sometimes have drafted their own trust, or they'll use legal Zoom or something like that and create, their, create a trust because they didn't want to spend the money to hire a lawyer to do it, and it always needs to be redone in the end. So just go visit, your, visit a lawyer, talk to them about your estate plan, and have them draft the trust because a lawyer knows that a trust is worth nothing if no assets are <laughs> right. So that's part of the conversation that I have with my clients um, when we do create a trust. We got to talk about what assets are going to be placed in that trust and what purpose for moving those assets into the trust. Yeah, what's what's their goals with that's right. going to have in the trust? That's right. And I talked a little bit about asset protection. The best asset protection is to move your assets into what's called an irrevocable trust. Uh-huh. Okay. So the irrevocable trust just to compare that with the revocable trust, is if you move those assets into the irrevocable trust, you can't pull them back out. They have been transferred to the trust. The trustee is going to manage those assets, and you, as the grantor, the person that is transferring the assets into the trust, no longer have ownership or title over those assets, and you can't pull them back out. The And... That you is, lose complete control over it when it goes to irrevocable trust. But in the event that you're a entrepreneur, or you're somebody, yeah, you're somebody that owns a business, and maybe you have a business where there's a high risk of litigation, high li- high risk of being sued. If you get a judgment against you and that business, and let's say they were successful and you're individually liable mm-hmm. for the debt you would be in a position where they can attach that judgment to your assets. But if your assets are, in, in, are transferred to an irrevocable trust before that obligation is uh, before that obligation is incurred, then you are those assets are protected. So the creditor so, can't attach it. So you compare that to revocable. So if that same situation happened, but your assets were in a revocable trust, since you have control of those assets, they could be seized because you have control. Correct. That, that's correct. Ah, I see. That's correct. And, you know, a, a good litigation attorney is going to advise you on, on, on that. And there's more to consider than that. But that is the 30,000-foot view understanding about a revocable and irrevocable. And, and, and this may confuse people, but, you know, are there times, and 
there's usually an event that happens where a revocable trust will turn to an irrevocable trust. And, and what is that? Yeah, most trusts, most revocable trusts are going to become irrevocable upon the grantor's death, mm-hmm. which is a really great thing for, uh, for, for probate and what happens after you pass away. Because let's say I ran up a bunch of credit card debt and I had uh, a secured loan where um, I, I didn't pay it off and my, it's going to become the obligation of my estate and my kids to pay it. If I had placed assets in a revocable trust and when I pass away, those terms become irrevocable, anybody that makes it a claim against my estate is not going to be able to attach those assets because after I pass, they've become irrevocable. They're no longer in my estate and they are not, creditors can't attach their judgment to those assets. So I guess there's a couple key things here I want to reemphasize and then I've got a kind of question because I'm a control guy. I, 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 it makes me nervous when I hear <laughs> lose control. Um, the key thing is, is revocable. You retain control, the grantor. The individual who's contributing the asset retains control, revocable. That's right. If it's irrevocable, I'm giving up control. I'm putting that in the hands of the third party, and that third party is going to be the executor of that trust. It's going to be the trustee. The trustee. I'm sorry, the trustee of the trust. And and what you're giving up when you give up that control, what what you're gaining is the increased asset protection. Okay. So you have to make, you have to weigh the benefit of the asset protection against the loss of control. So, 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 so talk, to, talk to us about this. So we, we hear about a, a thing called HEMS, Health, Education, Maintenance, and Support. And, and I believe that speaks specifically to some provision that permits, you know, I've given up the control of these assets, let's say, and I, and I don't know, would it be permissible? Could I, could I put my spouse as the trustee of the trust when I've given the money over to the trust? You absolutely can name your spouse as the trustee of an irrevocable trust and, or a revocable trust. And what you, you brought up a, a, a good point, the HEMS provisions. Even in an irrevocable trust, you can draft your trust agreement in a way that the trustee has authority and power to use trust assets for the health, education, maintenance of even the grantor. So, that is one way that you are able to access. That's a little flexibility, right? That's right. That's a, that's a, so let me ask you this. So um, if you have somebody that comes and sees you um, and has a will and is thinking about a trust, um, or maybe they talk to another attorney and they're pushing a trust, do you have any like rules of thumb of here are some, here are some, here's a fact pattern in which a trust would make sense? Because not everybody needs a trust, do they? That's right. Uh, most uh, most people don't. Um, okay. The one benefit of a trust, and, and I tell folks that I might not always advise to draft a trust agreement, is that those assets that are in the trust pass completely out of probate. So mm-hmm. even if you are in a situation where you are a W-2 employee, you don't own your own business, you don't have that risk, a trust can still be a good instrument for you, even if it wouldn't you know, otherwise apply because those assets would pass outside of probate. So that's a benefit. Yeah. But most people that come to me, 
if they are a uh, family, you know, a family with a couple of kids, they have, they both have jobs where they're paid W two salaries. They have, uh, you know, less than a million dollars in assets. There's not really a need for a trust in that kind of situation, and I oftentimes won't advise people to uh, to draft a trust in that situation. But with that said, the trust gives you a lot of control over what happens to your assets after you pass, uh, which you can also, you know, can be done in the will. But the trust is, is, is an instrument where you can say, okay, if I, if I know my child is somebody who probably shouldn't inherit a bunch of money when they're 25 years old. Mm-hmm. In the trust agreement, you could, see, you could say that the trustee is not to make distributions to the, to the beneficiaries of the trust until they reach a certain age. And so you can put provisions and conditions in the trust. Um, so that's another reason why you might want to have a trust. But for most, I would say if you go see a lawyer and you are, you've, got, you've got a home, you've got one home, no rental properties, and uh, you're earning a W-2, uh, you're, you're earning a wage working for a company, and your wife is too, uh, you don't have a lot of investments outside of outside of that. I don't think it's necessary in those situations. It's, it shouldn't be necessary for for you to have. A but this is why you should not just do it online. You should speak to a professional like yourself about it because you're going to have those questions for them to see what their goals are, not oversell them, um, and put them in a, the right place to succeed. That's right. And you know, one red flag I look out for is if an attorney is trying to overcomplicate a very simple situation. And you just, you know, what I try to do is just try to be as practical as possible. Uh, and that is a case-by-case basis by, you know, different people coming in with different situations. And it is always a, an estate plan needs to be very specific to that family and what they're dealing with, what their net worth is, what, asset, what investments they have, whether they're business owners. Those are questions that they should, that the lawyer should be asking when making a determination on whether a trust is appropriate. You know, as I sit here and listen to this, Devin, and, and we, we kind of are talking about, hey, you know, if your situation's simple and getting into a case where someone may be trying to overcomplicate things on the other end of the spectrum, and particularly for those people who might be listening that own their own businesses, where, you know, David and I are entrepreneurs, you're an entrepreneur, we're all out trying to build our businesses. And you know, what we found is a lot of times folks get so busy building their business that they don't even really come back and look at how this interplays with their overall net worth and what would happen if they got a divorce or if they got, if they got, uh, if they died suddenly or whatever the case may be. And the reason why uh, I I bring this up is, is because in particular, uh, a lot of times people won't know exactly how much is at stake. And we, we have a couple of different clients that had liquidity events. And on the heels of those liquidity events, they wanted to put in place situations where, and these were people that were more in their 50s, mm-hmm. but what, what the situation was is, that, let's say one of the spouses was the primary builder of the network. Right. And the other partner really didn't have a professional career outside of the home. The spouse who built the business was worried about if something happened to her and her spouse got remarried and some person slipped in there and really tried to screw things up and then the kids wouldn't get what was rightfully there. Right. 
I'm probably not doing a great job of explaining that, but 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 it, that that also is an application, right? I mean, if you if you've accumulated a lot of assets, whether it's through a career as an executive, or you've run your own business, or you're a professional, that's a consideration, right? Your kids say your kids are a little bit older, wanting to protect against someone else swooping in and kind of mucking up the situation. You want to talk about that at all? Absolutely. And a trust would be a a great vehicle to do that because for the assets that are transferred to the trust, those, the management of those assets and where those assets go are going to be determined by that trustee. So if you've appointed a trustee, someone that you trust to manage those assets and to make sure that the trust is very clear that the assets are to pass to only these beneficiaries. That means the new husband or the new boyfriend or whatever the situation is, uh, the new wife uh, is not going to be able to reach into that trust and you know get access to those assets because the trustee is is bound by the terms of the trust. The trustee is bound to only distribute those assets to those to the beneficiaries named in the trust, which are usually the children. Trust, I don't know, I'm a kind of a nerd on this, I guess, but trusts are so interesting because we just talked about like the basic, you know, it's like we're talking about vanilla ice cream, but these are like Baskin Robbins where you can get so specific. There's so many different trusts out there. So, you know, if you're if you're thinking about uh, the, a trust, maybe something that you may need to discuss. Uh, we encourage you to reach out to uh, Devin Phillips at Wiener, Nathan, and Phillips. Uh, give us a call. You know how to reach us. Uh, we want to thank you guys. Devin, thanks for coming in again and talking about this. This is fascinating. I really love talking about it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. We'll have to do it again. So thank you guys for listening. Again, if you uh, want to share this podcast with your friends and family, you can access it on Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in. The information in our podcast are the opinions and viewpoints of the moderators and guests only. For information and disclosures regarding Monterey Wealth and its professionals, please go to www.montereywealth.com and select the firm disclosures link under the about tab.